2: This is Make it M.I.P. with
0: Mar-S-S-M-E-L-A, Mar-S-S-M-E-L-A. Mark Thompson. Make it Get woke.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, undoubtedly, you saw the headlines recently about the rise in hate crimes in 2019. Who better to talk about? than the organization that has probably done the most effective tracking of hate crimes and hate groups in the country. We want to get into all of that with the chief of staff of this organization, this organization being the Southern Poverty Law Center. Not only is she the chief of staff, she has been the chief workplace transformation officer She's also has served as the Outreach Director uh, for the Southern Poverty Law Center. We're happy to have with us Leisha Brooks. Leisha, God bless you. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm doing well today. How are you? That's good. That's good. I'm fine. Praying that you and your loved ones are coping and, and are healthy and safe in the pandemic. As if that were not enough, now (laughs) we're hearing about the rise in hate crimes, aren't we? We are, I mean,
1: I'm sure you're not surprised. Uh, Many folks won't be surprised. Um, The thing about the FBI's annual hate crime statistics report is that it's a year behind. So um, as you noted, there was an increase, but we already knew that. We already knew what happened in 2019, right? With um, particularly the the massacre that took place at the Walmart in El Paso um, was destined to to increase those
2: numbers, but we we can get into that a little more when you like. Yeah, that is one of the the drawbacks is that we have to wait a year, don't, mm-hmm. to get that information. There's, I guess, there's really, there, I guess, there's no way around that if we're relying on the FBI, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Were there any particular groups that have been targeted by hate crimes, Alicia, that increased more than others in 2019?
1: Yeah, let's talk about that increase. It was about a 3% increase overall for the total numbers, 7,314 hate crimes compared to 7,120 in 2018. Now, every year since 1991, when they started collecting this data, race-based hate crimes have always been the most numerous. So remember, there were about 7,000. Of that 7,000, about 3,900 were based on race, and the vast majority directed at black folks. That's not new. The anti-Latinx hate crimes increased for the fourth straight year up, to 527 that's about a nine percent increase and i'll note the highest on record since 2010. then of course um religious-based hate crimes are typically the second most numerous um and that was a 14 percent increase against jews and jewish institutions so as a pattern anti-black racism anti-semitism xenophobia and in
2: particular anti-latinx hate. Yeah. And unfortunately, too, we hear about some of the high profile incidents, mm-hmm. but we don't, we don't get 7,000 some odd covered on the news. We would remember that. I mean, people would, would see that every day, but mm-hmm. that just isn't, isn't put out there in the way it should be.
1: Well, none of it is put out there in the way it should be. Let's talk about the um, hate crime statistics report and the act itself. The numbers are always lower than what have actual the hate crimes that actually have taken place. The thing about the the FBI statistics is that their law enforcement agencies are not mandated to report what happened. They are required or asked to report. There are about eighteen thousand uh, federal, state, and city enforcement authorities who are asked to submit their hate crime statistics to the FBI. And we know that they don't do it. The report itself, the the FBI's data, includes all the police agencies that either report one or more hate crimes or affirmatively report that there's zero hate crimes. Many, too many agencies don't report data at all. So we estimate that there are probably about 250,000 hate crimes and hate incidents that occur annually in the U.S. Let that sink in for a moment. Wow! How did the Southern
2: Poverty Law Center arrive at that number?
1: Well, you can just look at crime statistics, and though they're not so they're not marked as hate crimes. If you if you look at um, the statistics that are turned in annually about uh, from the Uniform Crime Reporting System, you can discern what what happened in the commission of that crime, and so whether or not it was it mm. was identified as a hate crime. If you look at at the circumstances surrounding it, you can surmise that, that it was. Now, it's really important for people to know that a hate crime is an enhancement on an existing crime. So a crime has to have taken place, say murder. Then law enforcement must prove that the primary motivation for the commission of this crime was based on bias. They have to prove that. So many law enforcement agencies either don't want to take that extra step and prove that it was a hate crime. For some, it's enough just to prove the crime and close the case.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I will add that it's 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 a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge to prove motivation, right? You have to prove that that it was motivated in whole or in part based on this this bias. So we, you know, we look at it in, in terms of lack of training in law enforcement, a lack of education around. Crimes, the 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 impact that hate crimes have not only on the individual that was victimized, but also on the community members, because the difference between a hate crime and any other crime is that if a hate, I'm I'm targeted for a hate crime because of who I am, something about me. So, when that kind of crime takes place, people that look like me or share the same characteristics as me also are fearful that they're going to be next. And that's why we think it's so important that law enforcement is trained in it, develops relationships with community members so that they report hate crimes and hate incidents. So then maybe we can do, you know, do something to to push back on
2: these numbers. And so when you talk about law enforcement, we're talking about jurisdictional Mm -hmm. at the local level. That's correct. And so we we leave it to them, don't we, Lisa? they're the ones who designate they have the power to designate whether it's a hate crime or not right that is correct that is correct that is correct so that's where the the training comes in Mm -hmm. um because so i can hypothesize then you know that there are uh, plenty of places around the country plenty of jurisdictions where there may be a history of hate crimes and hate groups but you may have law enforcement in charge and in control and and in power to sweep it under the rug and not even bother to designate it as a hate crime. That's absolutely correct.
1: That's Mm -hmm. even in states that have hate crime laws, right? Um, It's up, as you say, it's up to the individual jurisdiction, whether or not they investigate it as a hate crime in the first place to be able to prove it or not, right? Um, And oftentimes it's, it's the latter. They, they want to close the case, they may, there, there may even be pressure from uh, a prosecutor's office. Well, we can't, I don't think we can prove this hate crime enhancement. So let's just, let's just charge, charge them with the, uh, uh, whatever they, whatever they um, committed as far as the crime. Right. Mm -hmm. And not, and not pursue it any
2: further. Mm -hmm. So. Mm So to be clear, states where there are hate crime laws are still at times not able to go forward because it's easier to prove the actual crime than to prove also it was a crime of hate. Do do all of, in all of these hate crime laws and statutes, are they universally, even state to state, are they universally ones that require intent as well?
1: Yeah, they all require, all hate crimes require that you prove that the primary motivation for the commission of the crime was hate or bias. What differs from state to state are the different characteristics, identity characteristics that are covered. Typically, most states cover race, cover nationality, um, cover religion. Not all states cover sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, That's when kind of it varies a little bit. And I want to also say that I don't want to I don't want to kind of like just give the impression that law enforcement all law enforcement is not trying. They often do. You may remember the 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 heinous hate crime that took place in Maryland where Richard Collins, the young um the young man that was about to graduate from college, he was an ROTC and he was murdered, brutally murdered at a bus stop. And law enforcement in law enforcement wanted to add a hate crime enhancement to the crime and then they just weren't able to prove it. And I remember I was really struck by it because it was an African-American woman law enforcement officer who felt so bad that they weren't able to prove it, but made a commitment that they would keep investigating that case until they were able to prove that it was a hate crime. And they did just that. So oftentimes it requires that. It requires that extra work. It requires that extra investigation to be able to
2: prove motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Do we need to to change that? The motivation requirement is, is that something that is is problematic in getting mm, the
1: I think I think the real problem is 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 um, one requiring law enforcement mandating law enforcement agencies to report first right because that's a problem. a hate crime has been committed in in, in an area say for instance in 2018 the 2018 hate crimes report, Charlotte, Charlottesville, Virginia reported no hate crimes at all. And we all know that Heather Heyer was killed during the Unite the Right rally. Mm-hmm. Now that just shouldn't be, right? right. So, so let's mandate that all hate crimes that, that occur must be reported to the FBI. Then let's also mandate that law enforcement agencies are trained and law enforcement officials are trained on how to investigate hate crimes and that yep. they're, they're presented with, the, with all the tools and resources they need to be able to prove that. It's not impossible, it requires more work, right? And, and, and I believe, I wanna believe anyway, that um, our law, law enforcement officials would wanna do that. They just need the training to do it. And then yep. of course, in, any head of a chief of, of an agency should not be able to determine whether or not um, that agency is gonna pursue crime investigations. It just, it should be, that should be mandatory as well.
2: Yeah. Um, What are the factors that have caused the rise or did cause the rise in 2019? I think I'm asking you the question, even though most of us probably don't know the answer, but (laughs) SPLC's words.
1: (laughs) Well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that, that, uh, you know, the outgoing I can say now the outgoing president president trump um since he first announced his run for the presidency has um made it made it okay to say uh, denigrating things about people he, he he entered the campaign vilifying mexicans and then he went on to vilify muslims with the travel ban um he tweets, he tweets, retweets white nationalist posts. He refers to refugees in all kinds of ways. So so this kind of, mocking, you know, people with disabilities. So um, this kind of heightened rhetoric coming from the White House has served to embolden people. And not to say that, you know, um, these issues didn't exist, that there weren't, you know, people, white supremacists or racists or or um you know anti-immigrant folk out there but now they have been more emboldened um and and act on this animus in ways that we haven't seen in a very 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 long time his um his rhetoric has been uh, divisive and, and polarizing and has served to help create and just build this climate that we find ourselves in right now where individual perpetrators just feel like they can do and say anything they want.
2: Yeah. yeah. You mentioned in your press release, the veneration of Timothy McVeigh. Mm-hmm. Um, people are still doing that even after
0: all this oh, time.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that would, that would require kind of, you know, a deeper understanding of, of the nature of white supremacy, and those who have deeply held white supremacist beliefs see him as like a god, right? If you go back to, I mean, you know, he was influenced by other white supremacists, and the Turner Diaries were, was, was his kind of recipe for um, the terroristic act that, that he was responsible for in Oklahoma. So he is seen as a hero because he, he was trying to start the, the race war that they believe needs to happen so that whites can be you know, res- restored to their, to their rightful place of power. So the books, that, the books and the ideology that influenced him continue to influence white nationalists today. There's a whole kind of newish kind of group, same white supremacist ideology, referred to as accelerationists. And, and they're called accelerationists because they want to accelerate accelerate the the, net, the oncoming race war. They just believe that um, continued focus on multiculturalism, globalization, increased immigration—you know—everything is is um, a sign that that they're losing power. Um, and the only way to restore that power is through you know violent overturning and, and ridding. Creating a, a white ethno state. So, yeah, they're still out there and they're growing. I, I will say that the Southern Poverty Law Center's research with respect to hate groups, because we track and monitor hate and extremist groups, um, we've marked a fifty-five percent increase in the number of white nationalist groups over the last couple of years in
2: their growth. Wow! And folks, we invite you go to SPLCenter uh, dot org to see the actual. Uh, hate map and you can see just how widespread some of these groups are do you include boogaloo and, and proud yes. boys in hate groups
1: yeah the proud boys are are currently uh, we'll we'll have our new report out in january but uh presently they're categorized as general hate even though they're deeply influenced by white supremacist ideology and white not, they, you know hang around with white nationalists and white nationalists are part of their group, but because they have a few folks of color in there um they say that they're not racist which they still act on on and um, in, in repeat white nationalist talking points but they're what we call a general hate group and the Boogaloo boys um, are fairly new as well, and we would we would put them at they're 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 a, a mix between kind of white nationalists and also um um People they they want to advance what they call a civil war, so they'll frame it as a as, as a civil war being the answer, um,
2: as opposed to a race war, but it's the same result. Um, Licia, are are hate crimes and terrorism synonymous to the Southern Poverty Law Center?
1: Back in the day when the the Klan was at its heyday, at its you know, two two
2: million members or so, they were referred to
1: as a domestic terrorist group. Before we we before we started identifying people as, as hate groups, the the Klan was was identified as a domestic terrorist group. Now we don't have there's no um, law that 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 clearly defines domestic terrorism. So the Southern Poverty Law Center is is interested in making sure that these groups are 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 put out of business. Call them what you will, they they do they do act in terroristic ways. And because because their terrorism ha- happens here, it's domestic terrorism, but we don't want to get it confused with like foreign terrorism. They don't have any kind of uh, 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 big political plan. They um, are essentially white supremacists, white nationalists who want to create a white ethnic state. They engage in domestic terrorism in that they they terrorize Um, Their acts are are terroristic in nature and they they impact the homeland. So Mm -hmm. it's words. The result is the same. So they some do engage in domestic terrorism. But most of them, I would say, um, are don't qualify as as
2: as that. You mentioned putting them out of business. How? Mm -hmm. How how are we able to do that? How how is SPLC able to do it? How can we help SPLC do it?
1: Well, the Southern Poverty Law Center, dating back to the mid '80s, began really were responsible for uh, early civil rights lawsuits, bringing bringing civil litigation against these organized hate groups and suing them um, and and assessing financial damages to put them out of business. So, um, if we can sue them, like for instance, we had a we had a case a couple of years ago, Andrew England, who was the publisher, still the publisher of this very racist, anti-Semitic website called Stormfront, um, engaged in a, a troll storm, which essentially means that he called all of his you know, followers to, to um, terrorize um, our client, Tanya Gersh, a Jewish woman who lives in Montana. So we sued, we sued Andrew England and were able to win a judgment of $12 million which had the result of putting him out of business. She didn't get, you know, of course, he didn't have twelve million dollars. But if we can, if we could shut somebody down, if we can shut their business down, seize their assets, and turn them over to our client, that's what we want to do. So we started, we started doing that kind of thing in in the um, mid to late eighties. Our first case was um, against a, a, a group in uh, Mobile, Alabama, and so we've had a, a number of successful cases. In the South and across the Pacific Northwest, that have that have put people out of business. Tom Metzger, I don't know if you know, um, was in the news a couple of weeks ago. He died, and he was the head of a, a group called the White Aryan Resistance, and his group was responsible or held responsible for killing an Ethiopian Jew in Portland, um, Mr. Sarah Mulligata Sarah, and we sued him and put him out of business. Right, so. So that's been a, a, a pretty successful strategy. I know that there are some, some colleagues in the field who are um, using the same tactics against groups who, who were uh, present at the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally.
2: So it's, it's something that we continue to do and look at. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely necessary. Quarter of a million hate crimes you um, estimate so, looking at the map, 2019 Southern Poverty Law Center tracked um, almost a thousand hate groups—nine hundred forty. Is there a relationship between the math of almost a thousand groups and the the quarter of a million estimate of crimes? Do, do those numbers relate somehow? That's a that's a really good question. Um,
1: first, it's important to note that um, groups, we do an annual census of, of the groups that actually exist, and these are groups in physical space. So the 940 that we identified for 2019 went down a little bit from previous years. And that's important to note because what we're finding is, is that individuals who act on You know, white supremacist tendencies or anti-Semitism or anti-LGBT animists are organizing more and more online. So they're less likely to form these physical groups that we are tracking. Um, The question about whether or not there's a a correlation between the, the number of groups and the number of hate crimes that exist. We haven't. I. I. We haven't done the research to be able to prove that definitively. But just like the um, the hate crime statistics that come out of the FBI, they're good. They're good in terms of identifying trends. So if we, as I mentioned, the white nationalist groups have grown over fifty five percent. That's a trend that we can certainly track to increase activity amongst white nationalists across the country, we could see that play out. So it, 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 it identifies trends and tells you kind of where the hate is directed and from what particular um, ideological kind of basis for that, for that hate, um, if, there, you know, if there was an increase and there have, has been an increase in the number of anti-LGBT groups Yes, then we can safely say that there's been an increase that also correlates to an increase in hate crimes that target LGBTQ folk. It's, it's a fact that increased rhetoric that targets a particular group will produce increased attacks towards members of that, those groups. And that's again where, you know, Trump
2: comes in to play. No question about it. Lastly, you mentioned... The fit you use the word physical, mm-hmm. so is there a delineation between physical groups that you're able to census and groups that just kind of exist online? Is is there a difference? And if we go online, are we looking at an even larger number or, or just what?
1: Yes, you are. You're looking at an even larger number. The Southern private Law Center's annual census of hate groups are groups that have some physical presence, right? That, that that where, where they meet there that's why they can be identified on the map because we can say oh they're here they meet here or this is where they organize it's where they have their p.o box this is where they might have their meetings that kind of thing and a lot of if you dig into the to the map more closely you'll see that there are lots of um branches or or proud boys have groups in in portland but they also have groups in new jersey say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know um so so that's important to note. We have not done a census of online groups because as you can imagine, they come and go so quickly. Um, we do have a group of researchers, research analysts who, and, and data analysts who are tracking the movements in the online space. So we, we keep up with kind of how they're organizing. You may have, you may be familiar with this group called the base, which is a um, often referred to as, as a domestic terrorist group. They operate kind of in a in a cell cell like function so that they can't be easily identified. They primarily, if not solely, organize in the online space. So we might we might find some traffic here and figure out that something's going on here and then later on find find that they they've created a, a new cell um someplace else. But they're primarily That group is primarily in the online space.
2: Yeah. I'm looking, folks, as as, um, Alicia and I are recording, this um, news is breaking about a group of Marines who went to Idaho um, and apparently have been indicted, three Marine Corps veterans, um, and they have a neo-Nazi guru guru who's been arrested. being engaged in an interstate gun running scheme, and they plan to move to Idaho to create uh, Nazi death squads, as authorities are calling it. So again, that's coverage on something. But a lot of these things, folks, at least you're telling us a quarter of a million incidents out here, and we're just not hearing about that. So, mm-hmm. But this, mean, is, we-
1: this is real. I mean, the, the story yeah. that you just That you just quoted. I mean, this this is real, and this is this is this is how it's happening. And people really need to pay attention to what's happening in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it's no accident that they're organizing in Idaho, right? That they're organizing in 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 places that are still uh, majority homogeneously white, right? They can like hide in plain sight and create create their their white ethnostates there, organize and create uh, 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 a lot of damage to over the rest of the to the rest of the country. So we had um, the center participated in um, testimony uh, before Congress earlier in the year about, um, you know, uh, these folks in the military ha- allowing, allowing, knowing knowing that they're white, there were white supremacists, white nationalists in the military, and really pushing them to be uh, more diligent in getting those people out of the military. so. Uh, I hope that this was a result of some investigation. I'm glad that they've been identified and I will tell you that there are more
2: folks. We ought to support the Southern poverty law center, uh, SPL in their work to expose these groups. We invite you to go to splcenterorg um slash hate watch to look at the map. Um, uh, see the blog hate watch um, and whatnot. And you'll see these little white dots. And and you can see where this is even happening in the states where you live. And and I don't know, Alicia, we, we may need to meet and talk offline and figure out how we can uh, f- come up with um, more and better real time reporting systems and news systems. If you're saying it's a quarter of a million, mm-hmm. um, we need to figure out ways to. Um, uh, get that out there in the public eye more often as they happen. Um, and and maybe even figure out ways to expose some of these incidents that local authorities may not want to designate as hate crimes. And you're right. Some of them are well-intentioned, just don't feel like they can prove it. But even those, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't hurt to, to, to be reported on and exposed, correct? You're absolutely You're absolutely right. And it will
1: help to, we need to do something to help improve police community relations for a whole lot of reasons. But hate crimes is one of those as well, because oftentimes people who have been victimized by hate crimes don't trust law enforcement and they don't, they don't even go tell them. Right. Because they feel like, Oh, they won't listen. They won't believe me. They won't take me seriously. Um, They'll laugh, you know, whatever it is. So it's an, it's one of those important elements of, of good community policing as well. Amen. Amen.
2: I've always had a great deal of respect for what Southern Poverty Law Center does and continues to do. Another big report from them in January after the holidays. So, Alicia, if you don't mind, we're going to have you back and and let's let's stay in close touch. And whatever um, uh, exposure or coverage I can give to the work you're doing, that Southern Poverty Law Center is doing here to make it plain, I, I really want to do that. We need to be. You know, working it more closely together, folks. We've got to stay on top of this. We cannot stop this if we're not talking about it. If we're not exposing it, um, and 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 maybe even at a later time we can talk about. Well, let me ask you: Do do you all give any advice to people on best practices? when it comes to, to dealing with some of this online and with trolls and social media? Oh
1: yeah, thank, thank you for asking, thank you for asking. There's some resources um, on the website, splcenter.org. And we have a new one, it's called, um, um, it's by this group called Peril. We worked in collaboration with a group at American University, it's for parents and caregivers to recognize when their young people have been um, influenced And we call it radicalized they're subject to to radicalization and more importantly what parents and caregivers can do to interrupt that um and especially in this time of COVID, where um you know remote learning and kids are spending more and more time online it just takes it just takes that long for them to go down the rabbit hole and be in this be in this position now some might say well why what what, what's that to me as a person of color well I, i i'm invested in making sure that fewer um, young white males are radicalized to, to, right. to stand against,
2: me, right? Amen. Amen. No, that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Folks, SPLCenter.org uh, get involved get read up on it and we're going to be doing more in the new year because you know, if I'm reporting and it's a quarter of a million that I'm not reporting and that means there's more work, I, I need to up my game mm-hmm. into all yeah. of us doing in terms of reporting what's out and all the media doing all my friends in media I'm going to challenge him to do the thank same you. Thank Alicia Brooks Chief Staff Southern Poverty Law Center great organization SPLCenter.org Alicia we thank you for joining us on Make It Plain today Thank you it's been an honor take
1: care of yourself be safe
2: thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain please remember to listen, like, subscribe and wherever you get your podcasts please give the show a five star rating and please do spread the word Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.